0: To me and you, I do I think about you day and night It's only right to think about the girl you love And hold her tight So happy together Thank you, the turtles, that's right. Someone last week said, Pastor Sean, I like you because you seem to know a lot about music. Yes, I am a music buff, okay? If you buy me pizza, I'll come play music trivia with you on any Friday night at any restaurant in Noonan, all right? So, hey, I'm excited that you're here today. We're we're in our series called The Happy Series. Look over at your neighbor and say, it's about to get happy. All right, your neighbor's like, I ain't even eating yet, okay? I'm hungry, all right? We're going to talk about that today, too. Uh, If you haven't been here the last couple weeks, this has been an awesome series. We're talking about happiness, right? And that song is called Happy Together. A lot of us last night, you know, we took our love or somebody that we're in love with or someone we want to be in love with out for dinner, and hopefully it made us happy. Uh, But if you're like me, usually by tomorrow morning, I'm hungry again, all right? So I want to recap. If you missed the last couple weeks, I want to recap what we've learned. First of all, Jesus wants us to be happy. No matter what anyone tells you, whatever church you grew up in, what school you grew up in, what city, whether your grandma believed it or not, or your dad taught you, Jesus wants us to be happy. The whole reason he's teaching this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is he said, listen, there's happiness to be found, okay? And uh, he gave us these beatitudes, these eight attributes that he wants us to possess. And so he wants us to be happy, uh, happiness is really not about emotional. We talked about that week one that one of the struggles we have with happiness is we think it's an emotion we have, right? So when the emotion's gone, suddenly our happiness is gone. Or we think it's something that's tangible something that we possess, something we hold on to, money that we have, possessions, a car we drive, a home we have. And as we know, I mean, we see it in our world. There are people who are the richest people in the world, and yet they're so unhappy, right? They do stupid things. And I've, you know, I've never been there. I don't know what that's like, okay? And so um, they, they think it's emotional, they think it's tangible, or they think it's circumstantial. Like they, it's a situation that they find themselves in in life. Like I've landed a good job, I'm in this relationship now, my life seems to be going really good, so I am happy. And it's like a, a situation they find themselves in. But we said this week one, if we're not careful, the physical, the emotional the tangible and the circumstantial will get in the way of us finding real happiness in life. And we talked about that a little bit. You know, Jesus gave us these beatitudes so that we would understand what real happiness could be like in our lives when it's realized. He gave them to us not like there's spiritual disciplines, like there's this rung of spiritual achievement that somehow we earn our way up to. That's not what Jesus was talking about, okay? So if you came here today saying, hey man, we're gonna talk about all the, the do's and don'ts, okay, that's not who we are and that's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus said, these are attitudes that when you possess them, there are promises attached to them. And I don't know about you, I wanna, I wanna live in all of the promises That God has for us you know week one we said poor in spirit theirs is the kingdom of heaven and you know last week we talked about meekness and how meekness leads to us inheriting the earth and that word inheriting the earth means that we're going to have influence we're going to have leadership in our life we're going to make a difference why because we're living in this meekness that only comes through a relationship with Christ And so today, we're going to kind of flip the script a little bit, and we're going to look at it a little bit differently. Now, I want to ask you this question today. How many of you have a favorite type of food that you love in life? Raise your hand. A favorite type of food, okay? If you're a hamburger type of person, raise your hand. Like, you just love a great hamburger. Okay, pizza. Anybody just love pizza? Okay, some of you keep raising your hand up again, okay? I mean, this is going to be bad. This is going to be like, you know, leaving here and some of you guys are going to kill some restaurants, all right? Uh, How many of you guys love good Italian food? Like that is your jam, okay? Uh, How many of you love great Mexican food? Amen, glory, hallelujah, okay? Yeah, this weekend on Friday night, our whole staff took a little exodus together and went up to Chewy's up at Perimeter Mall and a little fresh Tex-Mex. And glory came down and heaven filled our soul, okay? (laughs) Yes, yes. One of our staff members was over there and he finished his burrito and he looked like he was going into like a Hispanic coma, okay? It was awesome. And so um, I am so excited when I talk about Mexican food. I don't know why, it just kind of gets me excited. But one time I was on this mission trip to Zacatecas City, Mexico, and we were gonna be there for eight days, and so. I decided since I love Mexican food so much, I would go on an eight-day Mexican food binge. Yeah. And uh, the first day was really great. We found this hole-in-the-wall restaurant. The cool thing about these places is they're so authentic, they're not really restaurants. You're literally eating in the front of someone's house in Mexico. So people invite you into the front of the house, and then they start bringing it out to you, you know, in like waves. And day one was awesome. Day two was great. Day three was pretty cool. Day four, I had the hottest pepper I've ever had in my life, okay? I mean, I was sweating. Like, the students are looking at me like going, killed. they killed our student pastor, okay? And I just was, I was awesome. Listen, it was really good till about day seven or eight. And then I realized, I think I've made a mistake, okay? <laughs> Like, this is not good. Like, eight straight days of authentic Mexican food in Mexico. And my stomach was not ready for it. And so I realized that that kind of sense of hunger for something that I love so much left me in a very awkward position, okay? Now, here's the truth. Hunger is one of the most unusual urges we have in our life. I mean, think about it. From the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night, and some of you in the middle of the night... (laughs) your stomach and your mind are talking to each other, okay? Like the mind says one thing, your stomach says something else. And you continually have these messages, probably thousands of messages sent back and forth to each other continually over and over and over again. And that's not all bad, except when you make the mistake that I've often made. And that is never go to the grocery store when you're what? Yeah, you guys know the rule, right? You show up at the grocery store and you're hungry and you look at your spouse and you're like, you know, we just need like these 12 items, okay? But I know I haven't eaten in like 16 hours. And so you show up at the grocery store and suddenly you pass by aisle seven and there's these candy bars that you didn't know you were hungry for. Or you pass by the ice cream and suddenly you hear it echoing your name, you know? Talenti. I hear it calling my name, okay? And I'm thinking to myself, why did I buy all this stuff? We get home and we needed 12 items and we come home with 36. Why? Because the messages between our stomach and our brain are kind of going haywire. And so you end up buying all these things that you don't need. And if you're like me, you even need some of them while you're in the line to check out. That's right. That's what that's for, okay? I just usually just scan the wrapper. And uh, we end up buying a lot of stuff. But the truth is, we're all hungry for things in our lives. Some of us in this room, we're hungry for a great family. We want our family to be the best. Some of you are hungry to have great kids. Some of you are hungry to have a great career, Like you wanna be the person that turns the company around. You wanna be the person that literally sets the goals for other branches and other parts of your company to try to attain to. Some of us are hungry for fitness, right? We wanna be well. We wanna live long and prosper, right? We wanna do that type of thing. But the truth is, all of those hungers, all of those urges come at us in tons and types of different ways. So here's how, as as I thought about this message today, I thought about it this way. Hunger can be good, and hunger can be bad. I mean, hunger can be good, but hunger in life, whether it's emotional, spiritual, physical, can also be bad. I mean, we saw the commercial, right? We've seen it for the last couple of months. We saw it at the last Super Bowl. We saw it again at this Super Bowl. Basically, the world says, you're not yourself when you're hungry. Right. Some of you look at your neighbor and say, you act like just like Betty White. Okay. You're going Betty White on me. Feeds that, you know, do something. The world says you're not yourself when you're hungry. What a great marketing ad, because the truth is most of us are not ourselves when we're hungry. This morning, I was checking out some really amazing statistics. You realize that there's a website now on the All of the activity that's going on in the world, and from from midnight tonight until right now, right before the noon hour, fifteen thousand people will die of hunger in the world. Fifteen thousand people this year alone, one point three to one point four million people will die of hunger. And we look at that and we go, "That's bad." Yeah, that's right. That's bad. Isn't it crazy to think that we have so much plenty and yet we still struggle to get in touch with our hunger and yet some people have nothing and they still struggle with hunger. So hunger can be bad. I mean, sometimes hunger can make us really stupid. Have you ever done something stupid when you're hungry? Okay, listen to this, this one blows my mind. Between 1978 and 1995, there are 37 recorded deaths in America of people who tipped vending machines over on themselves. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I mean, now I've done that, okay? Like the Doritos didn't drop, so what do you do? You stick your hand in, you're trying to jiggle it around, and then you get really mad, you start shaking the machine, okay? Suddenly it falls over on you, and here, I'm not being disrespectful, because if your family is one of those 37... Bless them, okay? But I just wanna say this. What do you say at their funeral? Hey, the payday just didn't pay, okay? I mean, what do you, what do you say? But the truth is, hunger can be good and hunger can also be bad. So we've gotta uh, got deal with this idea of hunger in our lives. Now, women know this because if you've ever been pregnant, you had some very odd cravings while you were pregnant, right? Right? Some of you go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Some of you go, my husband got the odd cravings while I was pregnant, okay? I didn't get those things, but suddenly he was craving things that I didn't you know, even think about. Or the truth is, listen, there are some weird things that women crave while they're pregnant. Weird things that women hunger for. I had a friend, no lie, this is a true story. In Northwest Arkansas, I had a friend when his wife got pregnant with their second child, there was a sonic drive-in six miles down the road from the town that we lived in. Now, there were three in the town we lived in, but somehow they produced a type of ice in the town six miles away from us that she had a craving for. So every night I would call my buddy and say, hey, what are you doing? Driving to Sonic. Well, that's quick. No, it's it's in the other town. She craved the ice from a Sonic six miles away. Okay, that's just weird to me. See, hunger can make us do crazy things, But here's the thing about hunger we need to realize. Listen, hunger is one of the most important signs of life. You see, hunger can be bad, but hunger can also be good. They say that when a person's body begins to shut down and they begin to die, usually what we see happen first is they quit eating. They lose all desire and hunger physically for food. And so what do we do? We stick needles in them and we stick you know, tubes in them and we try to feed them to try to keep them alive. But see, hunger, the feeling of being hungry for something is one of the most important signs of life. So hunger can be bad, but hunger can also be a really good thing. It could mean that you're more alive than what you think you are. So if that's true, then this is why this is important. Getting in touch with our real hunger is important to our happiness in life. You see, there's physical hunger, but there's emotional hunger. I mean, some of us, we're driven by affinity, the group we're in. We're driven by affection. We want people to come up and hug us, okay? How many of you have a friend who's a chronic hugger? They always wanna hug it out with you, okay? (laughs) Yeah, I like those people, okay? Except after like the 15th hug in like three hours, it's like, dude, I'm hugged out, okay? And uh, some people, affection... It is their hunger. Other people, affirmation. They want to be affirmed. And so they feel the need to always have someone say to them, hey, you're doing a great job, or hey, you're great, or, you know. We struggle with that type of hunger. So we got to get in touch with our real hunger, not just emotionally, but we better get in touch with it spiritually. Because it's important to our happiness. We're going to struggle with it all of our lives physically. We're going to struggle with it all of our lives emotionally. And we're going to contest with it spiritually all of our lives. But the truth is, God has an answer for us. See, here's what I know about every person that's in this room. When we get hungry for something in life that we cannot find inside of ourselves, we begin to look outside of ourselves to try to find what we're hungry for. Think about it. Think about the people that you admire the most, that seem to be the most grounded, that seem to be the most like, satisfied in their life. They're probably not out chasing 50 other things outside of their life. They've probably found something in their life that becomes like an anchor for their soul. I love those people. And if they don't find it inside, typically they'd search outside, and that outside search... Sometimes it becomes a lifelong search for significance. And they keep searching, 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 and you look at their life and they end up with a starved soul. They end up with a starved soul. Why is that? Well, Blaise Pascal says it this way every person has a God shaped void in their life. Every person. Every person born has something in you that's like a God-shaped void that says everything we try to feel into that never seems to quite fit like a puzzle piece that you shove in. But we all have a God-shaped void in our life. So here's why this is so important that we understand this today, okay? What we hunger for is evidence of what we believe can fill us. It's kind of like this, right? You go to a store or you go to a restaurant. Some of you will leave here in just a little bit, extremely hungry, I don't know why. You're gonna leave here extremely hungry and you're gonna get in your car and the debate will begin, okay? It's like the house of representatives in your car. Someone's gonna say burger, another person's gonna say burrito, another person's gonna say fried chicken, okay? And it's gonna be like a war in your car. And parents, you know this, How many times do you make this mistake? You look over at your kids and say, hey, kids, what would y'all like? Like, that's going to bring clarity to the conversation. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have suffered that, okay? But here's the thought. When you pick the place that you go physically, you're betting on the fact that when you leave, you're going to feel full. You know, we do that emotionally and we do it spiritually in our life. What we hunger for is evidence of what we believe can fill our life. So Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, because that's where we're hanging out in this series, spoke a very profound word and yet a very truthful word. Verse 6 of Matthew 5, listen to what Jesus said. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, I love it when Jesus gives a statement that's so profound that when we back it up and we unpack it into our lives, we realize really how profound this was. Because Jesus, when he goes through these eight attitudes, the first four of the attitudes look as if, hey, these are all negative, like poor in spirit, like, you know, uh, meekness, You know, and then we get down to this one. This is like the fourth or fifth one, and, and Jesus says, You're happy when you're hungry. And you're like, What? What do you mean I'm happy when I'm hungry? I'm not happy when I'm hungry. Jesus said, Oh, yes, you are, because when you get hungry for the right things and you get in touch with your real hunger, you have the greatest potential for real happiness. But Jesus says this. He says, Happier you when you hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. Now, the crazy thing is, when we hear that word righteousness, we think of every person who's ever thrown down the law in front of us and said, Hey, buddy, here's the bar. Jump over it. Why do we do that? You ever thought about that? It's because for most people, that's the type of righteousness that they've adopted for their life. We call that self-righteousness. The idea that somehow I can please God by the things that I do, that somehow if I do them, God's looking at me and going, oh, you get an A plus today. You get three stars today. That's not the righteousness that Jesus was talking about. You see, Jesus, when he gave this sermon, was actually standing in front of not only his disciples, but he was standing in front of a group of Galileans. And if you knew anything about the Galileans in that day, they were like the second-class citizens, like the the, the Jews and the religious leaders would have viewed them in the same light that they viewed the Samaritans. And so when Jesus unpacked this for them, and he says, hey, you're gonna be happy when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're gonna get filled. It kind of confused them a little bit. Here's why. Because they only knew of one type of righteousness they had seen. They had watched the religious leaders attempt to live a righteousness that they couldn't attain to. And they saw the hypocrisy between their hearts and the way they lived their lives. And they were like, righteousness? That's a bunch of do's and don'ts. That's a bunch of jump through the hoops. Brings back a very interesting point that we need to understand today. Outward actions with no inward transformation only leads to frustration in our lives. Did you hear that? Outward actions with no inward transformation only leads to frustration in our lives. And that's what Jesus was trying to say. Remember, he wasn't trying to change all of the other stuff. He was trying to change their what? Their hearts. And so Jesus looked at me and says, I want to give you a heart statement. Happy are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness because you will be filled. Jesus was announcing to them, if you hunger and thirst for the right thing in life, you can be full. Now what's crazy is, Jesus knew exactly where their mind was going. Because in verse 20 of chapter 5, listen to what he says. He says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's almost like Jesus knew where their thought process is going. So he's like, I better, I better help them understand this. The righteousness that you see in all these religious leaders, no, 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 that's not gonna satisfy you because they can't even get it right. What Jesus was talking about only comes through a relationship with him and not through all the laws and the rules and the regulations of the Pharisees. This wasn't new. I mean, Jesus constantly had opportunities all throughout his ministry where he reminded people that there's self-righteousness and then there's righteousness that only comes through a relationship with him. In fact, when it came to food and when it came to hunger, there were multiple times in scripture that Jesus addressed and answered this question in people's lives remember the woman at the well jesus walks up on her and you know jesus was completely human so maybe he was really thirsty but i just have this feeling that the reason that jesus walked up to the woman had nothing to do with his physical thirst i think jesus walked up to the woman at the well because he saw something god-shaped void in her heart that was missing What a perfect illustration. She's drawing water. She's getting all the water and putting stuff together. And Jesus walks up and says, hey, can I have a drink? And he gets in a conversation with her. And as he talks with her, he makes a statement that's super profound. It's found in John chapter 4, verse 13. He said, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up in eternal life. That's a big promise by Jesus, isn't it? Jesus said, listen, you can drink of all this other stuff, but it's it's just going to keep you thirsty. It's kind of like one of those binges you and I go on. It's usually around Christmas time. We see all the sweets, and we go, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm going to have, oh, yeah. And we eat, and we eat, and what happens? We're hungrier. And so what do we do? We get mad at ourselves. (laughs) We're like, oh man, I shouldn't have eaten that fifth piece of pie in 24 hours. Shouldn't have done that. Okay. And you're just hungrier. Jesus said, listen, you, you can go and feast on all these other things, but I'm the one that can come and quench your thirst. There's another moment in scripture. Jesus Basically, took a couple loaves of bread and some fishes, and he broke them in half, and and they fed five thousand people, and there was this miracle, and everyone was like, "Yes, man, it's fish fry, and everything's going good, and people are eating." And and Jesus looked beyond the miracle because for him, it really wasn't about the miracle; it was about the message. And in John chapter six, at the end of the miracle, when everyone's like, "Oh man, I am so full. I ate so well today." Jesus says these words in John 6, 26. Jesus answered, verily, truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Look at verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus said, you're looking for a righteousness that's greater than the Pharisees? It's me. I'm the one. I'm the one that can satisfy your soul. I mean, isn't it crazy? I mean, think of all the things that we put into our lives that we think will satisfy our soul. And sometimes with not even a matter of days, but sometimes in a matter of hours we go, that just didn't seem to fill me up. But Jesus knew this, and here's why. Jesus came to blow up their idea of righteousness Hey, it's not about all this. It's not about trying to do it all right, crossing all the T's, dotting all the I's, getting it all fixed. It's about me. It's about Him. And only Jesus knows how to satisfy a soul. You see, we need that type of hunger. I mean, Jesus said it. He said, happy are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness because you're gonna be filled. I want that type of hunger. I want a good hunger in my life, amen? I hope I die hungry, not like physically. I hope I die hungry for the right things in my life because I think I will end my life most satisfied. So here's the thought. We need hunger that leads us to real happiness. How do we get there? Well, there's some moments in scripture I wanna call out. First one is this. We gotta stop grazing and start feasting. Now, how many of you guys are grazers? Raise your hand. You're a grazer. Like every day, you just nibble, 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 okay? It usually happens around the holidays. Someone puts out a spread of food, and we just nibble all day long, and we look back at our day and go, what did I really eat? We do that with our souls. We graze with our souls every day. Sometimes it's the praise of people. Sometimes it's like, I want to get my attitude from my job or you know, I, my kids are an A student, so I must be great. And, and we try to look for all these different things that will fix our soul. And we just go around and we graze. And yet we're still hungry. We're still hungry. We got to stop grazing and we got to start feasting. You see, we often dabble with Jesus when we ought to devour him. I learned really on in my faith, I could have as much of Jesus as I wanted in my life. So I want it all. <laughs> I mean, you say, is this practical? Well, look at what the psalmist says. This is, a, this is a great picture of hunger and thirsting for the right thing. Psalmist in Psalms 42, one and two says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. Now listen, there's no guy in the room If you walk up to your girl and say, my soul pants for you, she's not gonna go, oh, okay. Boy, you gotta go on, okay. No, no. The truth is, the psalmist said, I pant for God. He said, as the, the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And then he says, where can I go and meet with God? That sounds like someone who's hungry. I mean, think about it. Sometimes we come to church and and what we want people to do sometimes is pat us on the back and say, hey man, hope you make it another seven days. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. I want them to have more than that. I want them to come meet with me. And when they leave, I want them to realize that I'm everything that can fulfill their craving and they will be full. That makes me happy. That's the type of happiness I want. You see, if we don't allow God to fill us this way, we will always seek to be filled by somebody or something else in our life that can't deliver. I think Jesus can deliver. You know, Paul, every time I open the scripture and I read about his life, how he met Christ on the road to Damascus and then became one of the greatest modern missionaries and his hunger and thirst for the Jesus that had changed his life. He's sitting in a prison as he's writing the book of Philippians. It was probably the moment in his life where everyone would have looked at him and would have said, Now, Paul, you've done a really good job, man. We're gonna send you a plaque when you're done. Everything's great, like everyone's gonna talk about you later on because like you're one of the coolest people in the world to ever follow Jesus and all this other stuff. And and man, you just you just kinda die, you know, let it happen, they're gonna kill you anyway, blah blah blah, 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 blah. (laughs) He's in a prison. And listen to what he says in Philippians three, verse twelve. He says, not that I've already obtained all this, he's in a prison, or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. At the moment when all the world would have said, hey, Paul, chill out, Paul said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm pressing in. Because there's a reason Jesus took a hold of my life. And he alone will satisfy me. You see, there's a good type of hunger that can truly satisfy our soul. And Jesus said, you're going to be happy when you're hungry because if you know what you're really longing for and you get there, you're going to be full. Paul kept saying, I'm just hungry for more. I think about it this way. When we hunger for the right things in life, we will be happy. Jesus said these words, and I believe he was true when he said them. He said, happy are you when you hunger and thirst for me, because he is the true righteousness. He says, they will be filled. Not just content, not just, well, it'll do. Jesus said, I can feel that God-shaped void. I can feel that. That longing you have to feel like your life is worth something, oh yeah, I can feel it. That person that you keep going to saying, man, if I could just hang out with this person, I will be a better person. No, 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 no. Only Jesus can feel that. Can I tell you um, one of the greatest challenges of doing this in my life for 25 years is watching a lot of hungry people leave and never be filled. You say, well, Sean, I'm not called to be as radical or weird or passionate as you are. I get that. I just want you to know that somehow when I was 17, what came inside of me was not religion, and it wasn't like fixing all the, the things that were wrong with Sean, But what got a hold of me was able to fill my soul. And I wanna tell you today, you may be here, and you feel starved. You're on this long search for your significance in life and you're looking at it in affinity or affirmation or acceptance. And, and, and I just wanna tell you, Jesus said, listen, you're gonna be happy when you hunger and thirst and your hunger and thirst leads you to me because then you're gonna be filled. I want you to bow your heads today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. When we find something that truly fills us up in life, we tell other people about it. We just do. I mean, if we find a great restaurant, man, we'll post it, we'll tell people, we'll go on a site and rate it with good ratings. I've often asked the question, if Jesus is really the thing that satisfies our soul, then why don't we tell more people about it? Why don't we hunger and thirst to get them to the one who can fill them? Think about how different our world would look if you and I lived our lives such hungering and thirsting after God, that people go, wow. That person, it doesn't matter what they go through. I mean, they're not banking everything on their emotions. They're not banking it on their circumstances, what they have. They're just happy. Jesus said, you're gonna be happy when you're hungry. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, you may be here and you may be like, Sean, I'm starved. Man, I've come to this place in my life here today And I continue to try to fill my life with things other than God, other than a relationship with Jesus. And I wanna tell you, as good as those things are, they're never gonna fill you up. Until you surrender your life to Jesus and allow him to come in and to change you from the inside out, then you're trying to do the same thing the Pharisees were doing. You're trying to earn your way to God. And Jesus said, that doesn't fill you. That doesn't satisfy you. So I wanna say this, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I wanna give you the opportunity right here, right now to invite him to come into your life, to forgive your sin, to be your savior, your Lord, to let him change you. That you could get all of him and that he could come and fill that void and change you from the inside out and give you real significance in your life. If that's you today, if you're hungry today for that, if you've never experienced a relationship with God like that, would you pray this prayer with me? Just say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I realize I'm lost without you. Jesus, I believe that you're the only one who can truly satisfy my soul. Today, Jesus, I invite you to come into my life to forgive my sin and to be my Lord and be my Savior. Jesus, would you be the boss of my life? And today, would you save me? I place all my faith and all my trust in you. Jesus, fill me. With every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning, I want to ask you, is there anybody here today that for the very first time you prayed that prayer and you meant it, and today you gave your life to Jesus? I just want to know that. Would you just hold your hand up? We're not going to ask you to come forward. We're not going to do any other type of public invitation today, but you know what? I want to give you the opportunity to identify with what satisfied your soul today. If that's you today, would you just hold up your hand? Just hold it up high. Man, I celebrate with you. That's awesome. Anybody else? Say today, I found what can truly satisfy my life. It's not religion. It's not all these. It's it's him. Jesus said, you're going to be happy when you hunger for me. I'm going to fill you. Listen, some of you here today, you're a Christ follower. But you're still trying to stick things in your life that God says, no, that won't fill you up. But if you let me. I will fill you up. Why don't you just take a moment right where you are to surrender, whatever it is. Just say, God, you know what I'm trying to feast on. You know what I'm out here grazing on. You see it and you love me so much that you've brought me to the end of myself to realize that won't satisfy me. But Jesus, I turn that over to you and I want you to satisfy my soul. Father in heaven, I thank you today that you came to blow up the world's idea of righteousness. Lord, there are people in this room that have never heard that Jesus, you didn't come so that we could fulfill all of the righteous requirements of the law. Jesus, only you could do that. But I thank you today, Lord, that you're setting people free. I literally see shackles falling off people's eyes. And God, that's a good thing because I want people to seek you out. I want people to know you, Jesus, in such a way that the world becomes hungry because of them. And so, Father, that's a good thing. I pray that today we would lay down anything that doesn't satisfy and we would run to the person who can satisfy. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.